Realtor.com is making a stand for buyer representation, and you can too. Join Realtor.com in sharing the list of 111 things buyer's agents do. Visit Realtor.com slash buyer agent toolkit to help spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. Yeah, so Web3 is kind of a hot new buzzword. And what it really means is the next iteration of web that's that's really kind of built around blockchain. And so if you think about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, when Bitcoin came out, uh, I think it was like 12 years ago now when Bitcoin came out, the cryptocurrency aspect of it was really intriguing, but people started to take notice on the blockchain that it was built on. Now, Bitcoin's not a great example of blockchain because it's very siloed. That Bitcoin blockchain is only used for the purpose of monitoring and timestamping and transacting currency of Bitcoin to each other. But the blockchain that it was built on is really interesting. And so it's the first time that we can kind of take it in digital ledger or database and, and see that in a way that can be used across multiple platforms. And so if you look at Web3 and if you look at kind of the meta, VR, AR, the way blockchains implemented, the way we look at uh, interacting with the web, that's kind of Web3. You know, in real, real estate and brokers right now, you're hearing a lot about the metaverse and that's kind of the forefront of Web3. But think of kind of Web3 as the next generation of Web2, but built around the blockchain with the ability to transact with crypto easily and then to kind of dig deeper into um, some Web2 aspects. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Velt, Editorial Director of Real Trends, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Each week, brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts join Tracy to share their trends, their secrets to success, and the lessons they've learned navigating this ever-changing industry. Confused about NFTs, the blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the metaverse? You're not alone. So I talked to Adam Brown at Proppy and got him to describe it to me and explain the impact it could possibly have on real estate to talk to me a little bit about the first Tampa, Florida property that was sold via NFT and how and why it was done and just get some perspective on the entire Web3 uh, movement. So you'll find this really interesting and educational, even if you aren't interested in these topics, eventually they will be something that you need to learn about. So enjoy. This is Tracy Velt, Editorial Director for Real Trends. Today, you'll be listening to an exclusive interview with Adam Brown, Vice President of Business Development and Sales for Proppy.com. Adam's been in the real estate industry for 25 years as, and is an expert in Web3. So welcome, Adam. <laughs> Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. So Obviously, gonna... I, didn't, I didn't start in Web3 25 years ago. <laughs> uh, Probably not. They do tie together. Yeah. Well, I want to um, first start by having you tell me a little bit about Proppy uh, and how agents and brokers are using your product. Yeah, thanks for having us, by the way. So, you know, Proppy, the team at Proppy, we've we've done a lot in a short time regarding Web3 and, and real estate. And most recently, as you've heard, we NFT'd the first house in the U.S. in the Tampa Bay, St. Pete area. We NFT'd that property around a $600,000 house. We NFT'd that two weeks ago. 
Uh, so very excited about that. But, you know, property in general, we do a lot of things in and around um, the real estate vertical, mostly around educating realtors and brokers as well and cryptocurrency blockchain and, the, and kind of how that merges with real estate. And we also have a SaaS platform and offer management and transaction management platform that um, brokers and agents all across the country use. And it's a platform that helps streamline the real estate transaction offer management process. It's hundred percent transparent. And then that data seamlessly merges onto the blockchain. So okay. the goal is to kind of smooth out the real estate process from the homeowners as well as the brokers and agents perspective. Okay. Well, you use some words in there that I know um, our audience probably has heard but isn't completely <laughs> uh, you know, up to date on. Well, first, I want you to explain the concept of Web3. Yeah, so Web3 is kind of a hot new buzzword. It, and what it really means is the next iteration of Web that's, that's really kind of built around blockchain. And so if you think about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, when Bitcoin came out, uh, I think it was like 12 years ago now when Bitcoin came out, the cryptocurrency aspect of it was really intriguing, but people started to take notice on the blockchain that it was built on. Now, Bitcoin's not a great example of blockchain because it's very siloed. That Bitcoin blockchain is only used for the purpose of monitoring and timestamping and transacting currency of Bitcoin to each other. But the blockchain that it was built on is really interesting. And so it's the first time that we can kind of take it in digital ledger or database and, and see that in a way that can be used across multiple platforms. And so if you look at Web3 and if you look at kind of the meta, VRAR, the way blockchains implemented, the way we look at uh, interacting with the web, that's kind of Web3. You know, in real, real estate brokers right now, you're hearing a lot about the metaverse and that's kind of the forefront of Web3. But think of kind of Web3 as the next iteration of Web2, but built around the blockchain with the ability to transact with crypto easily and to kind of dig deeper into um, some Web2 aspects. Okay. Um, and you also mentioned NFTs, and those are non-fungible mm-hmm. tokens. Mm-hmm. And I want... That just, that just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? The word fungible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's, um, you know, let's talk about what those words mean. So what is an NFT? Yeah. Um, and, and explain the blockchain a little bit as well. Yeah, so before the word before NFT, I don't know if fungible had ever been used much in the popular lexicon. Uh, certainly wasn't for me because I'm from Indiana, so we never used the term fungible. But fungible means um, like a commodity or something that's that's similar to other things. Um, whereas non fungible means unique, and so it's just it's just a way of saying unique token, um, which then it then is you know draws a lot more questions. Okay, what is unique token? Um, so, so, so really to look at an NFT, you really have to get, kind of take a step back and go back to the blockchain. So NFTs, for the most part, were the first time we were ever able to create a digital transparent stamp of ownership on a digital um, piece of art or a document, whatever it might be. The blockchain is really the brains behind that. It. It's the first time ever that I could put an image on the Internet and say, hey, clearly I own it. Here's my proof of ownership. This is when we put it on the web. This is, uh, you know, who who owns it and if I bought it for how much. So within the blockchain, you can kind of see a transparent ownership trail. But if you take a step back to talk about blockchain, 
you know, I, I have a, a 10, 10 word phrase that I use for blockchain that I think kind of sums it up best. And it's a tamper proof database that stores digital assets with no central authority. And then what I ask agents and brokers to do when we, when we talk about blockchain is, is to kind of take that statement, break it into three pieces. So it's a tamper proof database. And so think of it as a record or distributed ledger that's immutable, which is a, a Web3 way of saying it's accurate and, and doesn't have the ability to be changed. And by and large, that's true. Um, so it's a tamper-proof database that stores digital assets. So we're talking digital records, images, anything that's on the web. So it's a tamper-proof database that stores web images, things upon the web, and then with no central authority. So the third part is a really big piece. It's no central authority, not custodial, whatever you want to call it. So it's bigger than any one server. It's bigger than any one company. So if I, um, I'll give you a good example. Alfa Romeo just um, launched NFTs for their service records of their cars. And in my mind, eventually all service records for cars will be NFTs because I know right now if I was to go and get my car service that Pet Boys or Meineke, their records might be there, but they're within their digital database, right? Whereas if it's an NFT, anybody who was to buy that Alfa Romeo could see all the service records. I could see anytime it might have been dinged or bumped in an accident, and that body shop then put the work on the NFT. It's a digital ledger that could follow that car around. It's bigger than any one database. There's no central authority. So, you know, if you look at a Carfax, it kind of does that, but you're doing it without the Carfax in the middle. And so it's a really interesting technology. It's you know, if you think about NFTs and the value of NFTs, and right now everyone's kind of talking about the art art craze with the board apes and crypto punks and a lot of other cool NFTs, that to me is kind of above the water. But if you look at the real power of NFTs uh, above the water in terms of like an iceberg, but if you look underneath the water, the real muscle of the NFT is the smart contracts and the distributed ledger they're built upon. Okay. Um, so let's apply that to real estate. Uh, you know, give me an example of how the blockchain can be used in a real estate transaction. I, I understand it's most applicable to title, although it seems like we're moving into other areas as well. So, um, and, and talk about the transition to using it for in real estate as well. So first, give me an example of how it can be used in a real estate transaction. Yeah. So, so just to preface that, and I will. Um, is it's it's really still very early on. It's in its infancies of kind of applicable uses. And if you think about, you know, the internet of 1995, 1996, you knew it was going to be big, but exactly how it was used, probably we all you know, had that a little bit wrong. We probably underestimated it, honestly. So it's it's still in its infancy, but, but I could see where a blockchain, one is keeps and stores really accurate records of home ownership. Let's say you put on a new roof or let's say you had your HVAC uh, updated. Let's say you did certain things, even if you painted the walls and you knew exactly what color you used as a new homeowner, those all might be useful things for me to see. It might be the original plans, might have been the original boundary lines, et cetera, et cetera. And so things from a homeowner's perspective are very, very useful. In terms of the intermediation of a real estate contract, um, I think most realtors and brokers would agree that the the home buying process is is somewhat convoluted and Byzantine. 
and whether that's by nature or just kind of over the years, that's how we've gotten there. You know, that's up for debate. And I think the blockchain in terms of initiating really smart contracts and not just from the real throwers perspective, but from even the lending perspective, if all your information is on chain, including tax records, the lender can just pull it from there. If you, uh, if you want to go into the transaction and your offers are all on chain and it's back and forth and it's all within smart contracts using cryptocurrency, there's a tremendous ability to eliminate, you know, wire fraud. And so there are tremendous applications for blockchain within the real estate transaction. Um, and it's not just on the realtors or brokers, but from title, from escrow, um, and then after the sale as well. So with Proppy, um, since you are using the blockchain, are you do, using that for that process? What are you storing on the blockchain as if for, for a real estate transaction? So agents who use our, our our platform, our closing, our offer management, our transaction management platform, we, we give them access to put their closing, their house, their their clients' closings on, on the Ethereum blockchain. And we give that to all of our clients uh, today. Um, if you look at how we use the NFT to sell the homes and most recently the home in <clears throat> Orlando in uh, Tampa, mm-hmm. uh, we use blockchain for that as well. Okay. And so... This so explain to me what a what a broker would be able to see and how that would help them with home buyers or sellers. What could they you know? Because I am I obviously don't know a ton about the blockchain either. So this is education for me as well as our audience. Um, so you know, as far as a broker using your platform, let's walk through it from the listing side. So you know, an agent takes the listing. Um, you know, there's a contract on the property now. What is the process, and what is the benefit to all the parties? So, if we, if we backed up, if the agent was on the platform and they wrote an agreement, they would put that listing within our transaction management offer management platform. Then, 100% of the offers that came in on that listing, which in this market there are usually more than one, mm-hmm. all of those offers would stay within a transparent portal that the agent, the selling agent would see all the offers within the portal. The homeowner also has full access to the portal if the agent chooses to. And 100% of that negotiation between the seller and the buyer is in a transparent platform. Okay. So if the agent chooses to have their homeowner, so to speak, ride shotgun and look at those offers in real time as they come in, they're 100% in tune with what's happening with, with the transaction in real time. The buyer on the other side puts their offer in the buy side. They only get to see what's happening with their particular offer, whether it's accepted, countered, or or ultimately not taken. So once that process goes through offer, counter, offer, acceptance, we then send those documents to title, and then we send those closing documents right onto the Ethereum blockchain. So it's public knowledge that they bought the house. Here's their closing docs. Um, and it's it's non-custodial or decentralized, so you don't need to go to the county recorder's office. You don't need to work through local municipalities to see who bought what and when. It's all there and transparent on the blockchain. So let's we that that um, transaction's closed. They've mm-hmm. owned the house for five years. They go yeah. to sell it again. What does that mean for the title company? Um, do they have to embrace? the blockchain, you know, as far as doing a title search, 
are they going through their normal process or because it's on the blockchain? Is that a streamlined process? Explain that to me. Not yet. It's not, but it will be eventually. I think most title companies kind of see that writing on the wall, but it's going to take a while for adoption. And what ultimately looks like is, is anyone's guess, but all of that, all of that information to be able to pull that information from one source, kind of an open source um, that, that doesn't require municipalities, people touching it, you know, a hundred percent immutable transparency. I think most people would say that that's, you know, that's going to be the way we move towards that hundred percent transparency and with non-custodial data. Um, but by and large, the title and escrow business, as you look at it, today is not broke. Our title and escrow business, I think I saw a stat the other day, less than 5% of transactions ever have a title um, dispute or a claim against the title. So I, I think our title and escrow is, is really good. I don't, you know, as a, as a real estate professional, as a homeowner, we don't worry about, you know, things of that nature, but I think it can be cumbersome. I think it's very expensive. If you look at the amount of money Americans spend on title for the value they bring, I think most of us could say, hey, if we could streamline that, keep title and escrow in, it will always be in the process as oversight, as oversight, making sure things are done, you know, copacetic. But to streamline that process and to save man hours and to save time between offer to close, I, I think makes sense for everyone in the blockchain. It, w- it will do that. And I know, I know title and escrow will embrace it. It's just, the speed at which they embrace it is still up in the air. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be difficult for, you know, a title company to, they know that's the best decision, but you're also giving up dollars by doing it. Correct. Theoretically, I don't know enough about title and escrow to, to, to say that for sure. You know, I think from a homeowner's perspective, if, if we could, uh, you know, eliminate a little bit of cost, but streamline the process, make it less Byzantine, make it quicker. I think the homeowner wins. I think the title company can to utilize real smart contracts to make the process better for the realtor broker and the homeowner. I think then the title company would win. Um, so, you know, and, and I, listen, I, I know enough title companies to know that you know, there isn't a tremendous amount of markup in there, but it is a very laborious process in terms of how many people touch that file. And so I think they would be the first ones to say, if we can use this in a smart way to have better accuracy, you know, create less issues of redundancy um, and to to make it better for the homeowner, I think they'd be the first to agree that it's, it's going to be what we move towards. Let's take a quick break to talk about the real trends gathering of eagles. Hi, Real Trending listeners. It's Tracy Belt. I wanted to talk to you about the Gathering of Eagles and our Dealmakers conferences. They're coming up uh, and they start on Sunday, June 26th. That's for the Dealmakers conference and June 27th through the 29th for the Gathering of Eagles. It will be at the Broadmoor Hotel in Colorado Springs, a great event. And I wanted to explain Dealmakers first. Um, Dealmakers features several different speakers. It's a a full day of information about how to run a more profitable company, how to value your business, 
and a little bit of information about trends in mergers and acquisitions. You do not have to be interested in buying or selling to attend. Most people who attend are not interested in that. They're instead interested in getting information for succession planning or some other um, types of business practices. So it's a great event to kind of dip your toes into the um, everything, everything profit building for brokerages. And then the Gathering of Eagles, um, we've got a special event this year, and we will have Larry Kendall of Ninja Selling as our keynote, but he's also doing a, um, a special workshop with a limited number of seats available. So it's free. It comes along with your uh, Gathering of Eagles registration fee, but it's first come, first serve, so it's something you're going to want to get registered for right away. We also have some great panels about attracting talent in a highly competitive climate, um, information on real estate's entry into mortgage, and also uh, you know, capture rates, improving capture rates, learning about some evolving business models, um, and we've got a lot of different things, some, some guest speakers that we have not yet announced, but you'll be very excited to hear from. Uh, two of them that we will announce is Christy Budnick, uh, the CEO of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, and Carl Liebert, the CEO of KWX. If you're interested in going, you can go to the realtrends.com site and go to our events page. I hope to see you there. And now back to the podcast. Um, so I'm going to move on to NFTs. I know that um, property just participated in a sale um, of a property via NFT, and that was in yeah. Tampa, Florida. I know there was, it, it was actually, the property was in an LLC and the LLC was <laughs> NFT'd. And so explain exactly how that process went and why would you want to do this? Yeah, it's, it's a fair question. So and I think the interesting thing when when you go when you come across anytime you can do things for a new a new way or a first time ever, I think there's a certain amount of people who who will always say, "Oh, this every real estate transaction is going to look like this." And I don't know if that's accurate. I don't know if that's an accurate statement, but I do think there's a lot of value to the way we NFT homes versus the traditional way. But I think in some homes, the traditional way may always stay that way. We, we don't know yet. But I, I hate this rush to judgment of, oh, everything's going to go this way, when, when really we, we don't know, right? Because if that was the case, we could have all piled our money and asked Jeeves or the ABC Go Network when the, the internet came out. We'd all be frustrated because we knew the internet was going to be big, but we don't always know what specific pieces of that technological advancement will, will stick. So the, the NFT was really exciting. The team, Natalia and the team, and, and, and spent a lot of time, energy, effort onto it. There's a tremendous amount of behind the scenes thinking and strategy that went into it. Our lawyers spend a tremendous amount of time on that transaction because your first one in the States is always uh, very important. So we basically, I'll kind of walk you through the process and then I'll maybe give you what I think the pros and cons are. Um, and so what we did was the seller created, um, so we created an LLC here, probably we, we put the seller's home into the LLC, which is fairly common in real estate, especially common in Florida. And then also within that, we also did an appraisal. We did the CMA. We did the inspection report. We held two open houses. 
we put in paperwork that basically said the, the house is free and clear of any title or restrictions. It's not the exact right word to say the house is owned free and clear, but we use the right word through our title partners. We put in there that the LLC has no debt against it, so it's a clean LLC. And so think of this really neatly wrapped package that if a buyer was to come along, they could say, okay, the house is worth X amount. I can look at the inspection report ahead of time. I can walk through the house multiple times. If I choose to, I can bring my own inspector through the house before the date it goes to sale. I can see all the documents pertaining to the LLC, the, the NFT, and the home. So from that perspective, from the seller's perspective, I got to do the inspection. I got, I, I got to do all the things on my terms without people walking through my house and doing what I wanted to do. Then once I say, hey, I'm going to put it in the market, listed with the MLS, we're going to go live on the state. And then people can come in the house, they can come look at the house. But I've done all the legwork on my end because I know that once I put my house up for sale, let's say June 1st, by the end of the day on June 1st, my house is going to be sold. So I've eliminated that, that 45 to 60 day gauntlet of, great, we got the house sold and then the inspection comes back and then, oh, wow, we really have to negotiate a second time. And then and negotiate a third time. And then, so that's not a fun process. I know realtors do it every day and the really good ones are really, really good at it. To them, that's just a day at the office. But for a lot of homeowners, that can be a little challenging because it's it feels, and most realtors can agree, it becomes a very emotional process for homeowners, whereas with realtors, it's just a day at the office. And so from a seller's perspective, you negate that hey, here's my house, here's the inspection, here's the comp analysis, here's the appraisal. If you don't want to bid on it, don't bid on it. But I'm being as transparent as I can on this is the house. If you want to have multiple inspections, we can have two inspectors coming. If you want to have multiple appraisals, we can do that. But from a seller's perspective, they gain control back in the process. But then on the flip side, from a buyer's perspective, we I can look at the house before I make an offer. I can look at the inspection report before I make an offer. I can look at verified third-party independent appraisals before I make the offer. Honestly, it, that feels like the normal way to do it. Today, we make offers on houses without knowing what the inspection is going to come back. Sometimes we don't know what the appraisal is going to come back. And as we know in this market, a lot of times the appraisals don't come back right. But I could go on for hours about that on a different podcast. So I think from that perspective, the transparency and the expectations from both parties are very level set. Hey, we're going to go to sell sale. We're going to go to market on this date for this much money. Mm-hmm. And and then sometimes people will say, "Yeah, but Adam, you know, auctions in the U.S. that don't that don't really that doesn't really work." We're not in love with the auction idea forever. The last couple we did do on auctions, but today's market it's an auction anyway. I was in Phoenix last week rubbing elbows with realtors. And it's not a fun job right now working with buyers. You put in a healthy offer, you put in a fair offer, and you're not even close. And what do you, you know, you have to go back to your buyer and say, hey, listen, that's our third offer, but we're way off. And that's that's not a great process. The the grayness in that area of real estate in terms of if I put a healthy offer in 10,000 above asking and I'm not contingent, why didn't you take my offer? And then the other agent just says, hey, sorry, we took a better offer. That gray area gets eliminated to some degree with the NFT process because 100% of the bids are put on the blockchain. You can see what they bid who bid, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So for the NFT process brings a tremendous amount of transparency. Um, it brings a tremendous amount of um, leverage from 
the buyer's perspective. I go into it knowing a lot more than I would a traditional transaction. It 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 brings a a pace of of um, control to the seller. Hey, I'm gonna do these things on my terms ahead of time. And for the real estate agent, you know, we we have realtors involved on both sides of the transaction. When we set up the NFT, we had a buy side commission built in and a sell side commission built in. We think the process is tremendously integral to have a real estate agent the whole way through. It's just their expectations and helping people through that process are just a little bit different than the traditional side. But realtors are extremely resilient, extremely smart. They'll figure out that process and they'll make the process better the more we do it. Okay. And so how did um, how did this transaction go? It went well. We, we So we, we do what's called um, KYC and MLA ahead of time. It takes about three to five minutes to... Took me about five minutes to register for the auction through KYC, um, and so once I saw that they they approved, they saw that I had enough Ethereum in my wallet. Uh, for me, in my case, they said that hey, you don't have enough Ethereum in your wallet, but thanks for you know looking into it. Um, once you approve both sides, and then once the transaction went live, we had bidders. We had a tremendous amount of people um, that pre-registered, mm-hmm. we ended up bidding that house to around 10 Ether over asking, which at the time was about $30,000 over, which you could say, hey, the, it was a great success. But I think for this market, that's probably what a traditional listing would kind of go over in terms of a, a, an equitable priced house. Um, so from that perspective, it was a win. The seller was happy. Buyer was extremely happy. Buyer was, you know, really, really, really excited about um, about the house. So it, it was a huge success from from our perspective. And, you know, the thing, we, we can do some things better. Obviously, we can do some things that would integrate more buyers into the process and more realtors into the process, and we will do that. Um, but for the first one ever in the country, I'd say it, it was about as good as you're going to get. Um, because from our perspective, there's a lot of things that could go wrong. And so it was a huge win. We were really excited. The team, our team in Europe and our team here in the U.S. and Italia and Vera put a tremendous amount of time, energy, and effort into it and uh, turned out really, really well. And it took it took a lot of people on the team to handle it. And now, do you have to use cryptocurrency to buy the home? Did the buyer use crypto? Explain the, that. The, this buyer used ETH to buy, to buy the home. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but they have what's now called a stable coin. So moving forward, I think all real estate transactions will be involved in what's called a stable coin. Not to get too nerdy on you, but a stable coin is it's a currency that's backed by fiat. And fiat is another term that's basically just means local currency. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so in the US, fiat would be considered US dollars. So the, the currency doesn't it doesn't have the volatility, um, good or bad, that crypto does. So uh-huh. if I put a hundred thousand Theoretically, if I put $100,000 into stablecoin, a week later, it's still worth $100,000 because it's backed by the U.S. dollar in, in the U.S. And the only volatility it has what's whatever volatility the dollar has. Whereas with cryptocurrency, you know, it, it still has some volatility to it where, you know, last week you'd have had some challenges with the geopolitical tension in, mm-hmm. in, in Ukraine. It had some volatility, good and bad. Um, so we, we will start using stablecoin from here forward. So a person would place their money into an exchange, buy stablecoin, which uh, I think Yogi Berra once said, you know, stablecoin's just as good as cash. 
although I'm paraphrasing a bit from Yogi Berra. What was that Yogi Berra saying? Cash is just as good as money. What do you remember that? I don't remember. (laughs) Okay. Now my next question is I I'm a, I'm a buyer Mm -hmm. and I can't pay all cash for this home. Mm -hmm. So, and I, and I haven't invested in any crypto. So I want to take, I want to take my cash. Do I take that deposit and put it down buy stable coin with that money? Do I have to do it that way? And how does a mortgage work on something like this? Yeah, Tracy, you're, you're speaking just like a realtor. You just haven't <laughs> you just haven't asked me yet what's their commission in the middle. They usually get to that first. <laughs> Fair question. So right now both parties have to be and eventually, and I think in the very near future, and if, even if you look at what lending has done in the traditional sense to making people not become contingent, fronting money, whether it's the iBuyer or some of the other models out there, and some of the things that that Ribbon and other traditional companies are doing in terms of kind of fronting the buyer that money, it's not there yet on the on the NFT side, but it will be. There are some really, really smart, progressive companies that are in the DeFi space. I think that will be the next step where, and that's where it's really interesting from a lending perspective, I'll kind of put you on the hot seat a little bit. From a lending perspective, if I know Adam's approved for X amount of dollars and he wants to bid on this NFT of a house, from a lender's perspective, everything about that house is already out in public view. I could see the inspection, I could see the appraisal. So it'd be pretty easy for me to say, hey, if you want to bid on that house and you don't exceed X amount of dollars that you're approved for, and we can see it's already appraised. From a lender's perspective, there's a tremendous amount of transparency in the NFT process. Whereas right now, I might say, hey, go give me $500,000. The bank says, sure, but they don't know what I'm going to offer on. And then there might be an awkward conversation when I you know, want to buy a house that's appraised at three fifty, dollars but you've lent me five. We're obviously, we're, we're, in a, we're in an awkward position where if I was to say, hey, I think I want to buy these NFTs with all of the data already out there, the bank could say, okay, we think that NFT is worth X amount because- we have the CMA, we have the appraisal, we have the inspection report, et cetera, et cetera. I think that DeFi space or even the traditional space will aggressively uh, come around to, to help it in that process. But right now, and we can all speculate, but right now, both sides uh, are liquid. Okay. Um, and, and so obviously, we, we talked a little bit about cryptocurrency and how it plays a role in this. Um, but in general, what I've heard is that um, there are more crypto home buyers, home, more buyers buying with cryptocurrency. Um, what are the trends that you're seeing? And, and I've also heard it's mostly in the luxury space. So what are, what are the trends that you're seeing um, as far as the buyers? What are they buying with and, and what do they look like? And you know, what are some of the trends you're seeing? Yeah, you know, we, we don't, there isn't as much accurate data around that as people would like to see. And, and the main reason, in my opinion, this is my opinion, and, and the team here at Proppy would agree with me, is most really smart crypto investors rarely buy things with their crypto, but they leverage that crypto in a really smart way on the DeFi market in traditional ways. So I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, in my opinion, um, you know, if I had a million dollars in crypto and I could borrow against it at three and a half percent, I have to think that that crypto in the next 30 years, if I took a 30-year loan, it's probably going to be worth more than 3.5%. And so 
really smart crypto investors often use their crypto holdings to leverage against it to, to be able to buy in a traditional sense. Um, we do see crypto. We do see people paying in crypto. We see it. You know, a lot of people reach out to us and we help them structure the deals um, with our title partners. We see people using crypto as, um, you know, payments or, or certain pass throughs. But there's some states are a little bit funky about using crypto and escrow. And a lot of states haven't evolved yet, but they will. I mean, it's still relatively new. Um, but I, I will say that this myth that all crypto buyers are, are guys and gals who live in their parents' basement, and it's not accurate. I mean, we see it more on the luxury end. We hear more from luxury agents who have buyers and sellers who've, who've worked in that space. Really, crypto is really intellectually curious. Whether you're you know, 70 years old or 17, if you're intellectually curious, you're going to kind of figure that out. Funny story, and I'll, I'll make it brief, is I called my high school basketball coach. I hadn't talked to him in a few years. I said, what are you up to? He said, you know, I'm into, and he's, you know, he's 60 years old and he's from Indiana. He was a farmer the entire time I knew him, but now he's a miner. And I thought, Tracy, he's lost his marbles. He's out mining for copper or ore. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I'm a crypto miner. I've got 10 rigs running. And, and so we've often, we catch up on it now, but it's funny because you, you, you want to pigeonhole certain people as not, you know, wanting to do it, but it's really the intellectually curious who get into mining, like my old high school basketball coach. Um, but it's not about age or affluence or race or religion. It's global, you know, it's macro. And it's really about people who want to learn more, you know, the decentralization or the non-custodial aspect does appeal to a lot of people. Um, but if you look at crypto, it's it's not the Wild West. If you look at the exchanges and the transparency and just the nature of the transparency of Bitcoin and Ethereum are 100% transparent. So a lot of people try to label it as a place where there's, there's gray area or, um, you know, these young guys who just get it. But it's really not that hard to understand. Okay. Well, you brought up mining and that has been a, like, something that I'm curious about. I don't even understand what that means. Like, how are yeah. you mining for crypto? Yeah. Explain that to me. <laughs> it's a, fun, it's a funny term and, and shout out to my high school, high school basketball coach, Scott Walker for being the first miner that farmer to miner converted probably ever. Um, so basically on, on the blockchain, you have this distributed ledger. And so and 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 you're listening. You're going to have a lot of listeners who know this better than I do. So if I get this wrong, I apologize. But basically, you put this data out there onto the distributed ledger, and this this chain. Let's just use a theory. My thousands of computers or nodes across the uh, across the world. They look at that data and they figure out how much gas it's going to take to figure out that smart contract. Some simple things like monetary transactions are very easy, but then really laborious smart contracts take a lot more work to get those put onto the chain in terms of computing it, figuring it out. And all of these mining rigs, which are basically, for lack of a better term, souped up PCs, they consume a lot of energy. So we'll use my high school basketball coach. She has 10 of these rigs running. And so all of these people who want to put things in the blockchain, his computers go out, they validate it, they put it on the, the chain, then they put the next one on the chain. Then they get paid money back in whatever coin, if it's in Bitcoin, they pay Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ethereum. They get paid back into their account for basically the labor of putting those things onto the blockchain. Now, there's going to be a lot of people who know that better than I do who will want to comment that what was wrong about that, but directionally, it's accurate. And then 
So it's the ability for the chain to pay the people that are validating the work on the blockchain. And so if you were to do, if you were to put something on Ethereum, that might range anywhere from 20 US dollars all the way to the hundreds, depending on when it's put on there, the complexity, the load of the of the chain. There are a lot of different algorithms that kind of figure that price. But think of mining as those computers and there's mining farms with tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of rigs that do that. And then there are people that have one or two machines that might get into a mining pool that help do that. Okay. That that makes a little bit of sense to me. I mean, I, I do understand it better. I just couldn't picture like, what are they looking for? Because uh, I knew it was like this huge um, use of data. So they need these super yeah. powerful computers. And I'm, I just couldn't really put it together. So thank you for explaining yeah. that. Um, my it's last just basically question. people paying to put things on the chain and those computers okay. get reimbursed for it. Not computers, but those machines. So you could make a whole profession of that, basically. Yeah, their their entire yeah, you know, it's absolutely there there are companies that all they do is is mine. Um it's just the word mine is probably yeah. not the best use of the word, but I'm sure you know, twelve years ago when Bitcoin was uh, you know, launched, that's what I used it. Yeah. So my last question is, I just want to bring it all together. So um, we we talked about crypto, NFTs, blockchains, and their you know their use in real estate. So what can agents and brokers expect in the future? Um, and is there anything that you feel like they should like? I mean, should they be embracing this uh, right now? Is this something that is important for them to learn about as much as possible. You know, tell me what you're expecting the future to look like and how long that may take. Just your estimate. I know you can't definitively tell me that. Write this down. This is going to be gospel. Um, So I think from a, I I look at everything through the the realtor's perspective. I do 25 years. It's all I've ever done is work in and around real estate with realtors. I think, um, I, th- I think the thing that I would take away is just be knowledgeable enough that any sort of buyer, you knew enough about blockchain or crypto that a buyer would feel comfortable using you if they leaned into that space. And, and what I mean by that is there's always going to be people who know specific things about specific blockchains or pieces of, of, of the process really deep. They go these rabbit holes and they want to have debates on which blockchain is the best. Have a base level understanding of, okay, why blockchain is important. And how crypto will will impact real estate. I, I think cryptocurrency will have a smaller impact on real estate than the blockchain will. I really do. They they kind of go hand in hand. They're a bit synonymous. But in terms of converting money to fiat through exchanges or vice versa, that's going to be pretty easy. We can already kind of see that that path. But having a, a base understanding of why someone would want to use crypto, uh, having maybe a partners that could leverage crypto against traditional assets or vice versa. Um, but having a base knowledge of of just being involved in the conversation, I, I think, is is really important. It doesn't mean you have to be an expert at it, but to just kind of have a base knowledge of that. And when when we go into offices and talk to realtors, which we do every day, that's kind of my thing is always just have a base level understanding so you can be part of that conversation and you wouldn't alienate any potential buyers or sellers. Uh, that would be my number one goal. Okay. And I know you guys are doing a... Um crypto NFT conference coming up in Miami. Where are some other, where are some other, um, are there any other 
educational courses, uh, you know, n- not necessarily proppy um, sponsored, but just in general where where uh, that's real estate focused, where they can learn more about yeah. all of this. Yeah, I mean, not not to be too self promotional, but you know, we've trained hundreds, getting close to thousand agents through our certified crypto agent course through poppy.com. Um, but but obviously that's that's you know six part course that's pretty in depth from a real estate brokerage perspective. We encourage that, but if you want to do something maybe lighter, um, there's a lot of a lot of crypto meetups, a lot of crypto summits. You know, YouTube is pretty good. I mean, YouTube. You know, and, and it's an interesting thing. But we're we're we are going to be dealing with a generation of people who've grown up on YouTube, and so they may not be smarter than we are, but they are smarter in the ability to get information in meaningful times and to process information to help them do what they're trying to accomplish. That's the biggest difference between, you know, my kids and I, I might be a little bit smarter, but they don't need to be smart anymore. They need to figure out data in a quick and meaningful way to accomplish what they're doing. And they're way smarter at that than I am. And so I, I think YouTube is, is a good place to start. I think there's a tremendous amount of people within the industry that are, that are very, very smart. There are too many to name, you know, on social media that I, that I like to follow and I enjoy. Um, but, you know, I, I think just do a, do a, a dive into which part of it you find interesting and just have a base level of knowledge to be able to talk intelligently to, to a buyer or a seller or, a, you know, another agent. Well, I would love for you to email me some of those um, people that you follow or YouTubers yeah. that um, just so I can I can do some research myself. But uh, Adam, this has really been helpful for me. So I know it will be helpful <laughs> for our audience as well. Thanks so much for joining Real Trending. Hey, thanks for having me. I love what you guys have done. And I've, I've read the, the Real Trend list for 20 plus years. And so I know most, a lot of the brokers on the list. So we appreciate what you're doing and thank you for having me. It's always, it's always fun to talk real estate. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you'd take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment and we will see you next week with more news and insights.